This is the Dividend Health Checkup. Hi, I'm DGI Guy, and this is the Dividend Health Checkup. Along with Dr. Dividend, we are bringing you a weekly show that's dedicated to learning as much as we possibly can from investors who are primarily focused in the dividend investing space. As we have announced before, this will be our last episode. So maybe I'd say we were bringing you a weekly show. Uh, But for now, let's move on to our last article of the week. So for this article, I turn to Forbes, which recently ran an article titled the one foundation for financial freedom that 10 out of 10 financial advisors agree on. The author, Joshua Becker, provides a background on himself that sounds pretty much like the majority of people I know. So he started off with a low salary. That grew over time. And as his salary grew, so did his expenses and lifestyle. From there, he didn't really have the excuse that his spending was because he had a low salary. Instead, he realized he was making some bad financial decisions despite happening to be a financial professional. This is where he goes into the one thing that all financial professionals agree on. I'm not going to break the big secret. It's big enough that it is something I look at sort of individually every quarter just to make sure that I'm not doing it. And I'm guessing a few of you do the same. If you want to figure it out, you're going to have to check out the article. It's a quick read. Uh, And it's a great reminder. So if you have a moment, take a look. And for now, let's move on to part two of Dr. Dividend's interview with Nicholas Ward. You know, you've you haven't been at the investing game long enough. You've been you've been in this while it's been a bull market. But, you know, I've been around, unfortunately, to see both the dot com boom and the Great Recession occur and have money involved with both. But let's look on the mistake side. You mentioned, you know, we've made errors. Everyone makes errors. I call them learning experiences. What are some of those learning experiences that you have gone through and what have you learned from Um, them? Yeah, I think learning experience is great because that's a great way to think of it. And that's how I do. You know, you need to, you know, a loss can, you know, you got to learn from it and then uh, avoid future losses. So one thing that I've learned, uh, I talked about ARCP slash Verite earlier. Um, yeah, I took a huge hit on that because of the accounting issues. So now, and I, I recently sold HCP, another um, REIT, for similar issues. As soon as I hear the phrase like accounting issues, I'm just I'm just going to leave the stock. It's not worth it for me. The, the risk is is more than the reward, and there's so many fish in the sea. I, I don't need to own any one particular company. Uh, so that's that's a very specific mistake I made. Any time, you know, if I would have owned Valiant, I would have sold out of that a long time ago because it's not. There's no uh, really reason to hold a company, in my opinion, through one of these issues. Just the risk is so large. If if there was something, somebody doing something wrong, or or just a mistake made, um, I don't need to pay financially for that mistake. You know, maybe I would get back into those companies once everything was resolved. But other than that, it's just avoiding certain sectors. You know, it's it's I've done a good job kind of just controlling my emotions all the time. You just have to really maybe not second guess yourself, but question yourself. You know, there's so many times I say I want to purchase this stock at this price. And then I'll just really focus on the fundamentals and say, no, 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 I should wait. And then for the most part, um, like you said, you've been waiting for a while, too. 
it's 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 been a good idea. You'll see that you know things run up, and you don't need to pay top dollar for them. They'll they'll come back to you at some point in time. You you've made some references to certain stocks, accounting issues being one. Selling a stock, when what are your guidelines with that? Past the accounting issues with a company, um, I, yeah, I look at the their kind of their industry or their sector. If I, you know, that's why I sold out of, of, of all my oil names. You know, I just I think long term, and this might be wishful thinking, but you know, I, I see us moving moving more towards renewables and things like that, and I see the the demand falling for kind of oil related um, energy names. So. I was out of those early last year, and that's turned out to be a pretty good call on my part. Um, long term, it may not matter. You know, those names may do just fine over a five or ten year span. You know, I just the same thing. I I, I pay. T- I read all the the reports that come out, all the all the major news releases, and if I think for whatever reason that a company is just headed down the wrong path, or that a competitor is is going to take away a bunch of market share. Or something like that. I, you know, I'm definitely willing to sell. You know, especially if I'm on a gain. Worst case scenario, you're making a lot of money. When you're underwater on a stock, it's 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 really hard for me to just lock in losses and and cut ties and just say it is what it is. But it always makes it easier if if uh, there's another company out there. You know, in the present time where you think moving forward you'll make more money with that company than you would the one that you're holding. Uh, you know, that's kind of how, how I can justify making sales sometimes. I don't sell things very often. Um, I did sell some things last year to raise some cash. I was at like 3% cash and I wanted to get that up to like 20% when the volatility really kicked in. And that's kind of still where I'm sitting. I made a few purchases. I think I'm at like 15% cash right now. That'll actually go up when some of these um, account transfers are, are finished because I cashed those out before. I did the transfers to make them easier, but you know that's a mistake I made. Just I like as much as I like having everything invested and, and just really benefiting from all the dividends coming in and the yield that that money is producing. I think it's a good idea to for everybody to kind of to figure out what they like having as far as a cash buffer and, and being pretty disciplined about maintaining that. When you look at your overall portfolio, how big is the largest? holding for you right now it's that kind of goes back and forth on a daily basis or weekly basis between disney and apple um both of those are i think around like seven percent right now and then once the the new money gets added because i i i used to kind of in my mind i would separate what my advisor was managing and what i was managing as far as allocation goes um, so that percentage will fall once the new money is added into my management accounts. But um, I think you know, I hover with those, and I feel so comfortable owning both of those companies, and I've regularly added to them with the uh, flexible reinvestments. So I think you know, between like 5 and 7% is kind of my biggest single stock exposure. What if that goes up to 12? I'll just, I'll just let it ride. With those two companies specifically, I mean, it's all I don't, – I don't really – uh, care a whole lot about allocation if I, you know, if it's a company that you know, I consider, you know, both Apple and Disney to be core positions for me, and I feel pretty comfortable owning them. Um, I pay a lot more attention to valuation rather than allocation. You know, um, I, I sold Coke used to be a uh, core holding for me, and I mean, I still it's still a blue chip company, but I sold half of my position 
a few months ago. And um, just because I, I think the valuation is just too high, I can't justify it. You know, I, I've, it's gone up like 4% since I did that. So in the short term hindsight, you know, my timing wasn't great, but I pay a lot more attention to valuation and, and uh, than I do anything else. Yeah, I remember that being a pretty uh, controversial article. You had quite a few comments coming after uh, you you stated that you did yeah, that. Yeah, you sell a company like that, and there's going to be a lot of long-term shareholders that are going to adamantly disagree with you. <laughs> but as you said, you only sold a portion. You didn't sell all of it. Yeah, no, a company like Coke deserves a spot in my portfolio, and you know it's still like a I don't know, like a one and a half, two percent weighting, which is kind of where most of my companies are. But you know, I don't, I, I just see too many headwinds for it to trade where it trades. Um, I'm happy to own the the part that I have and collect. You know, it's three percent yield. But you know, when I think about fair value, I think it's probably much lower than what the current stock price is in that situation. You've touched a couple of times in terms of transferring money from the advisor to uh, to E Trade in this. Uh, in, in your situation, what was it with the advisor that you started with them and what has happened over time that you said, you know what, it's time for me to, to take this back. Um, it was kind of like a family advisor. So, you know, I, I like, I like them and, uh, you know, I trust them to a certain extent. You know, I have a, I have trust issues. I think in general, I need to work on that as a person, but, uh, you know, I, I told him when, when I was first getting serious about investing, that I was probably going to slowly withdraw the money because, uh, the way I think about it is, you know, if I ever do something stupid and just lose all the money in the markets, yeah, I'm going to be very upset with myself and I'm sure my wife will be too, but I think we'll both be able to forgive me, you know, but if the, if the financial advisor kind of made a big mistake and lost the money, um, you know, I'd have a much harder time forgiving myself for, you know, just allowing somebody else to do that, uh, with my life. You know, I like taking responsibility for myself when I can, and, you know, I enjoy investing. So it makes a lot of sense, I think, to do that. Um, the advisors kind of are always going to give you this spiel, you know, Mr. Ward, you go focus on being the best vineyard manager or teacher or, or, you know, lawyer, whatever you are, and let us focus on your money. And I think for a lot of people that probably makes sense if you don't enjoy, or you don't want to follow the stock market, you know, that's great. But for me, I do enjoy it. I like taking responsibility for myself and I don't like paying somebody a fee for something that I can just as easily do. Um, so the fee structure is also a big reason why I've been slowly taking money. You know, dividend investing is all about being efficient with your money and, you know, compounding it and, and not losing it. And, you know, paying a guy, you know, one and a half percent a year or whatever it is. And, and especially when they put you in funds that also, you know, you pay them a percent or two a year, you know, you're losing two, 3% a year just for really no reason, in my opinion. So that was basically my, my train of thought, you know, I'll just, I'll get it under my control where I know what's happening with it. Um, I'll take responsibility for it and hopefully everything will work out. Got it. So we're coming, we're, we're coming up on time. So let me finish off here with a couple of my favorite last questions, uh, for the podcast. What's your favorite investment book and what's your favorite leisure book? Favorite investment book. I, I it's probably, I mean, I, I'll I'm sure other people say this. I like Benjamin Graham's work, uh, The Intelligent Investor. Um, it's it's not fun to read though. 
Um, so it's not, you know, from an enjoyment standpoint, I don't, you know, I, I guess I'll say it's my favorite. I really love, I, I, in the email you sent me, you said, I couldn't say an annual report. I love reading Warren Buffett's uh, letters to shareholders. That's probably, you know, where I've gotten a ton of my investment knowledge from. And as far as leisure books right now, I'm going to sound, you know, I am young and you've mentioned that and I'm about to sound even younger than I uh, am because I've recently kind of gotten into a comic book kick. Uh, I didn't read those as kids, but, you know, as a Disney shareholder, I really try to pay attention to everything. And the Marvel movies have kind of struck my interest. And then I figured I might as well read these books here and, and start to understand the storylines of the greater universe. And that's actually been a pretty enjoyable experience for me. Um, it just comic books are a lot more expensive than normal books. So that's, uh, there's the downside to that. So yeah, if you really want a, an interesting show to watch is a daredevil on Netflix. Yeah. I've seen a lot of press on that. I, I'm not a Netflix subscriber. Um, I'm probably one of like the few Americans that aren't at this point, I guess, but, uh, I have heard good things about daredevil. Cool. No, the reason I don't, I don't even mind. I think Netflix's price point is, is fine. I just, uh, we bought this farm here and I could not believe this in the 21st century. And, you know, central Virginia is a highly densely populated area. There's a lot of money here, but I do not have hardline internet at my house. Um, I have to use like Sprint's MiFi device out here. So I'm actually paying per gigabyte. So streaming is not an option for me, I guess, regardless of where it comes from. Ouch. So, and finally, and I guess working on a farm is going to be a, that's going to be a pretty easy question here, but no matter our wealth, we need our health. What do you do to stay healthy mentally and physically? Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty small farm, so I'm not getting worn out uh, here, but not, like I said, I used to kind of be a very competitive runner. Um, and I still do that. I, I coach um, track and field at a local high school. So I just I get out with the boys on a daily basis and, and do their workouts with them and whatnot. So that keeps me keeps me in pretty good shape. Well, excellent. Nick, any final uh parting thoughts? Uh any what's the best place people can contact you? And I'll make sure to get that website for your winery on the show notes. But what else can we do for you? No, here? I mean I I just appreciate your time here. And you know, I would just Tell everybody to take what I say with a grain of salt. I guess you need to understand I'm an I'm an English major that, you know, I think about painting and things like that just as much as I think about the stock market. So I don't know how reliable my words are, but I've done well in the markets, and uh, you know I really enjoy it. So you know you can you can find me on Seeking Alpha. I do my best to write when I have time, um, but yeah, you know, I pay I, I check the website every day anyway. So if, if anybody needs to send me a message or anything, I will definitely receive it. Well, Nick, thank you so much for your time and enjoy the rest of your oh, day. Yeah, you too. All right. Well, I appreciate it. Have a good one. Thank you. I want to thank Nicholas for being part of the show this week and last week. You can join the conversation by finding our show notes published by Dr. Dividend on SeekingAlpha.com. As we had previously announced, this is our last episode, so I definitely want to take the time to thank all of the guests that we've had over the past 52 episodes. So we had about 20 different authors come on the show and share their opinions. I want to thank all the listeners for all the great feedback that you guys had given us during this process. 
thank you very much for helping us out. And thank you for spending your time with us each week. I know on that I am going to be hanging around Seeking Alpha and go back to mainly just writing articles. And you can also reach Dr. Dividend there as well. So until we meet again for one last time, happy investing. Conversations on this podcast are intended as entertainment and not intended to represent individual investment advice. The majority of contributors on this podcast are not licensed financial advisors, so please do your own research and do not buy or sell stocks based primarily on what you've heard today. 